Good morning, church. I think maybe there's been a little too much candy going on in some of these families. Nothing like some hyper kids, right, for Halloween. We, uh, I just want to apologize this morning. I'll be drinking a lot more from my cup. I'm very parched. And I don't want to offend anybody. One of our shepherds, uh, a man I dearly love, sometimes gets his feelings hurt when I drink too much water. So we always want to look out for one another. Love you, Tommy. That's subtle. That's the best way to be about that. That's Ron Mamudian back there. How you doing, Ron? Good to see you, brother. Speaking of LSU. We, um, since the last time I was before you, which was One Kingdom Sunday, believe it or not, Lisa and I, my soulmate, have been to Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana, Florida, Alabama, Oklahoma, and California. Pretty impressive, right? Johnny Cash stuff, right? We've done it mostly on behalf of the unborn. And I got to tell you, everywhere we've been, every pregnancy center fundraiser has been the most attended that it's ever been, and they've raised the most money that they've ever raised. Uh, yeah, there you go. And you know why? Because we're winning. That's why. We had finally a curse lifted uh, that's been on us for 50 years. There's still a lot of work to be done. There's still a lot of states. So that's why we're out there going as fast as we possibly can to make a difference. Children in the womb, which should be their most protected place in some states, it's the most dangerous place. So it's up to us to fight the fight. So I just want to encourage you guys locally, because everywhere I go, we speak to crowds and I say, back home, our church and our pregnancy center life choices are supported by us. So I want to make sure you guys support those guys. It's very important that we do it right here in our own backyard. Judson Taylor, come hither, my son. <clears throat> Judson, uh, of course, I got to ask you something because so I'm curious. I don't really know the answer to this. Are you a Texas fan like your dad or an LSU? You're a Texas fan? I'm sorry to hear that, son. Um, it's okay. It's okay. Um, you've always got the Astros, right? Okay, good. All right. You got a scripture ready for today? Romans six twenty-two through 23. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the images of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you. Keep hooking them. Keep hooking those horns one day, right? Um, Man, I heard two great sermons, uh, or actually watched two great sermons from the road the last two weeks. Uh, Mike's general question was, who is Jesus, right? And why Jesus? Why should we put our trust in him? Very good. Uh, and then dad last week, which really was, what's so great about Jesus, right? And I got another thing for me, dad. Don't mess with Jesus, right? I like that. That's really good. This... Uh, this idea in Colossians about who Jesus is, is so important for us as believers. It's important for us to realize and to trust that much in our Lord and what he's done for us. Today, the question is, why make Jesus 
the Lord of my life. Because that's what he has to be. Lord, right? Can you say that? Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And that's something we should say over and over again. It's a daily decision. And I looked up the word Lord in the dictionary. And it says someone or something having power, authority, or influence. A master, a ruler. That's what a Lord is. Now, there's a lot of different lords for different folks, right? Across the fruited plains of our great United States, around the world. A lot of different lords. Probably the most oft thought about Lord is yourself. I mean, that's just something we fight as human beings, right? To be the Lord of our own life. Now, Satan helped us get to that point way back. Satan had the idea that it's better to rule in hell than serve in heaven, apparently. And he wound up being cast down. And so from the very beginning, he started out with the very first Jeopardy answer. Did God really say? Right? Did God really say? You know, you can be Lord. All it takes is a planted thought. Maybe some other person is your Lord. Maybe it's an ability or a talent because you're really good at something. And so that becomes Lord of your life. Maybe it's a possession, something you love so much. I fell in love with a truck once, Mike, and Lisa smashed it. And I remember something you said in the sermon, never fall in love with a hunk of metal, right? It's true. A habit, a vice can become Lord. An ideology can become Lord. A lot of that going around these days, right? Who would have ever thought people would be chanting and protesting over the right to kill more babies? That's what making an ideology your Lord can do. You're capable of anything. And that's what Satan does. So many different examples in the Bible of how people made Jesus their Lord. One of my favorites was Peter in Luke 5. Remember, he was just there and he was fishing. He was doing what he did. And Jesus did what he does. And he did some directional dialogue. He asked him if he could use his boat so people could hear him better. Sure. And so then he got to hear why Jesus came. And his response was, please go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. Now, that's what coming to a decision does. It compares you to how great God is. And you realize in that moment that I don't measure up. I can't be Lord. Or what about one of my favorites is Saul, who's just going to persecute Christians because he thinks that's what his mission in life is. He's good at it. He's a Pharisee of Pharisees, a Hebrew of Hebrews. We got to stamp out this movement that's against our God. He had righteous indignation as his lordship. All of a sudden, a big spotlight hits him as he's walking on a road, and he's asked a question. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And you remember his answer? As he's looking up blinded in a bright light, 
who are you, Lord? Because when the spotlight from heaven shines down on you, trust me, there's a Lord in there somewhere. And then he had a little three-day soul searching in the dark. And he came to the realization that he had been following the wrong Lord. And he surrendered to Jesus. And you know what Jesus said he would get for his surrender? Great suffering. I will show him how much he will suffer for my name. And we've been studying some of those letters that he wrote this last couple of years. He suffered a lot. But through it all, guess what? Jesus is Lord. My, one of my favorites on the podcast, we've been in, just got through with Mark 7. And also the stories of Matthew 15. And it's an unnamed, non-Jewish Canaanite woman. I mean, in her time and culture, a nobody. And she heard that Jesus had come and she was desperate because she had a daughter that was demon-possessed. And can you imagine? I mean, anything's wrong with our kids, right? We're so upset. What if your child was possessed by a demon? That's what she was facing. And so she went and she found where Jesus was. And she said, Lord, son of David, help me. You're the only one that can help me. And she yelled and she screamed, Lord. And Jesus ignored her. And the disciples finally got so put out with her. They said, Lord, do we just need to get her out of here? And then finally he looks at her and he says, I came for Israel. Why are you addressing me? Because you're Lord. That's what she told him. And she fell down at his feet and she worshipped him. Even though she didn't know anything about the Jewish God. And he looked at her and he said, woman, you have great faith. Your daughter is healed. And that was it. She didn't say, show me another sign. She didn't do what all the teachers of the law had been asking him to do. She just got up and went home knowing that her Lord had healed her daughter. She really was a woman of great faith. You see, from the most influential to the most inconsequential, every heart and every life has the choice to decide who your Lord will be. Everyone. Free will and choice is God's greatest gift to us. Now, when we're struggling, we don't feel that way, right? God, I wish you'd just make me do it. Nope. Choice. Will. Because when you decide, then you're all in. And that's what he's looking for from us. In Romans chapter 10, Paul would put it this way. But what does it say? Verse 8. The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart from, that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Salvation and lordship. A decision, a declaration, and then a dedication. Because I dedicate my life to him. He is my Lord. Might mention Colossians chapter 2, which is where we are today in verse 6, if you want to follow along. The first thing he showed us was what Mike showed us in communion this morning. What a dedicated life looks like. 
So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, he tells the Colossians, same thing he told the Romans, in every other church, continue to live your lives in him. There's the dedication. You live in him. Rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Root system. In Mark chapter 4, when he talks about the parable of the sower, he talks about the gospel going out to four different kinds of soil. The first two kinds of soil, which represent us, the human heart, there's no root system. He says the first time, it's like they come along, birds come along, just snatch it up. That's what the evil one does. Somebody hears something good, they think about it, they hear something on the radio, maybe they're going through a difficulty, they think, you know, what about this God thing? And just like that, it's gone. And I'm right back to living and doing the same things I've always done. The other person, of course, the seed goes in, but no root system is built. And so all it takes is a good hot sun and you got a dead plant. No roots. The third heart, you remember, there's a root system and there's a plant that grows up. And for a while it seems pretty good, but then all of a sudden everything else growing up around me looks pretty good. Wealth. The matters of this world, difficulty, and death. Only one out of four had a root system that then bore the fruit of God's Spirit and impacted other people's lives. Damn. Jesus painted a pretty bleak picture with a 75% non-success. Is that about what it looks like in the world to you? So many people just going through the motions without roots. And the first time they face something bigger than them, what happens? They collapse. They cave. They have nothing to hold on to. They have no community. It's so difficult to watch. They have no love. Love is what's missing everywhere, right? Remember Paul's great prayer in Ephesians chapter 3? I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established, how? In love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp. So what is this power? We're going to rule the world, right? Nope. Here's what the power does. It's the power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Knowing there's nowhere too far. There's no low too low. There's no high too high. Christ's love is everywhere. And once we root into that, we're capable of everything. Not to rule, but to serve. See, that's where they missed it in the first century. They kept saying, we want power. We want Jesus to be here and be on this earth and have this 